0: Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So I'm going to
1: say a sentence that I never thought I would say in my entire life.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We adopted a cat.
0: I literally... I, she so I need to know and understand how I'm sure Emily will have her whole side of the story, but <laughs> just without context, Emily sends me a picture of this cat last night. And I was like, what is this? And my first thought was maybe her mom got a cat. Cause I could see that happening way more likely than her getting one. Uh huh. But then you just called me and I was like, oh, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so tell the story. <laughs> so admittedly
1: we are not cat people. I did grow up in a house that had two cats at one time, and then Brian grew up in a house that had two cats at one time. But we're just we're just not a super fan. We're also not like the biggest animal people. We have had dogs, we like them. I like other people's dogs. I'm just like, sometimes the loudness is just, is just a lot and that the ruckus is a lot. And so we had two small dogs at this house, Eddie, the love of my life, my firstborn child, my baby, my moon, my star, my everything passed away in 2020. He kicked off that shit of a year with his death. And that was the worst thing ever. And then we had Toby who admittedly was like literally a piece of shit dog. No one liked him and he liked no one. And so he left. I think he just like went to the woods and and died. He was very old and deaf and blind and like whatever. So that was what a year ago? At least. At least a year, a year and a half ago that Toby left. And we... I mean, rejoiced in the streets about being animal free. You have embraced the no animal household life. It had been 15 years since we hadn't had an animal. And so it was so great. It was amazing. And I also really like petting animals and like kind of cuddling and just like having something. it's just fun. But I really just did not want another dog. I didn't want to go through all of that again and, and do that. And so, anyways, our kiddo, Penelope, is very much not a dog person. She is actually terrified of dogs. We did not do anything to make that happen. She grew up in this house with dogs. She's been around dogs. She is
0: just not a fan. Yeah. And she's never like been attacked or anything.
1: No, no. And she, it's just not her style. Yeah but she's a gap person. And she loves kitties. She talks about kitties. She pets kitties. She's not afraid of kitties. She's even been scratched by a kitty on her face and still likes kitties. And so Brian and I knew probably about two years ago, man, at some point, we're probably going to have a freaking cat because she's going to want a cat and we can't say no, and it's going to happen. But my kind of stipulation was, either until she's old enough and she's actively asking for one and willing to like take care of it and do all the things, then we're not going to get one. And, or it just needs to happen organically. We're not going to the store. I'm not looking up fostering or adopting or rescue sites. I'm not doing, I'm not going out of my way to try to make this happen. Well, lo and behold, about a week and a half ago, this freaking adorable tuxedo, black and white cat starts hanging out in our driveway and then our neighbor's driveway and just doesn't go away. And she's so sweet and loves the belly rubs and she purrs and she plays sticks with you. And she's just clearly not an outdoor cat. She's very clean, very cuddly. And we just let her be and like didn't do anything about it. And then a week and a half goes by and she's still there. And so I told Brian after maybe a little bit too much wine and said, The baby's outside and she's cold and it makes me sad. And I kind of just want to bring her inside. And Brian was like, I do too. (laughs) So we basically made a deal. If she's still there in the morning and if we go get some supplies and she's still there and we can get her in the house, then we can try it. And so far it's been less than 24 hours. So we're still very, very new taking her to the vet this afternoon and we'll see. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Her name is Pepper. Actually, don't even know if she's a she. Well, I'll find out today. Their name's Pepper. (laughs) Yep. I also don't care because every every animal I own is a sweet baby boy and a little bitty girl. So (laughs) I don't care.
0: (laughs) It's fine. Oh, my gosh. I'm just... So surprised, although I don't know why I should be because I'm definitely the, oh, we have animals person on the team. We've fostered a lot over the last couple of years and adopted. We've now had five dogs. So currently have three. I keep and Jared and I keep looking and I'm like, we need to stop doing that because we both know we don't want another one, especially right now. Yeah. So because four was absolutely ridiculous was bananas. Yeah.
1: Your <laughs> house was a little wild. <laughs> and I am excited about this cat life. So far she's like acclimating really well. She's already using her litter box. She's already eating. She's hanging out under the couch right now, just chilling. She's very cuddly. I'm like so nervous you're going to get your heart broken and that she's going to have an owner. Oh, yeah. Truly every single part of this has just felt like no pressure and no anxiety. And so I'm just like, I feel like it's, it is meant to be and the details will just keep unfolding. And I do have high hopes and we're, we're being tentative with Penny because we're just like, if we get to keep it, here's what's going to happen. And if, cause I don't want her to get super sad either, but her name's Pepper and we'll see if Pepper gets to stay or not. I keep calling her Peppercini.
0: It's <laughs> so cute. She has like these green eyes. So it actually like totally checks out. Uh, uh-huh. they're very green, like very green,
1: but like this morning she was kind of anxious. So I read online, like, how do you acclimate a new, like a rescue cat? And so they recommended putting it in its own room for at least a couple hours, if not like a couple days and just like letting it chill. So we did that for a couple hours. Then she let us come in and we just sat down on the floor and played with her. She slept in there all night, but she did escape at some point because she can jump. Like you can't really contain a cat unless there's a full door. And I didn't want to put her in a room that had carpet. And so whatever. So she escaped at some point during the night, but she slept underneath the couch all night, was kind of meowing a little bit this morning, but I fed her. She immediately ate and then came and just climbed in my lap and was like very intensely purring, like so loud. I'm like, oh, okay. I'll take that as a good sign.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. She like climbs in your lap and cuddles and she comes like a dog. Like I can call her. That's weird. Yeah. I wouldn't know what to do. I mean, we've never had cats. We didn't have them growing up. And the only time I've really dealt with, I've always said I just wasn't a cat person, but then I volunteered at the animal shelter and kind of the deal was if you're going to be a volunteer, you have to be able to do both. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to wrap my head around this whole cat thing. And they're amazing. They're so fantastic. I just would be intimidated because I don't have like the experience.
1: I am very intimidated because I I mean, I was a child when we had a cat. So I don't know. What are the things to look out for? How do I care for them? I know dogs really well and I know how to read the signs of dogs also. And I don't know about cats.
0: I wouldn't know what to do. I know you can look all that up, but I think it would just leave me feeling intimidated. If you are a cat person and you adopt cats,
1: literally slide into my dms at emily says on instagram because she looks young but
0: like an adult cat to me
1: yeah i think she's at least one i mean at least one she's very small but she definitely not a kitten she could be two three like i don't know yeah so we'll see take her to the vet today and i'll let you know oh my goodness Speaking of cats, there's no segue here for today. We wanted to bring a conversation that we've been talking with our C-suite on demand clients about, and I wanted to kind of share just a little bit more of our progress in being really bad at this and then getting better at it. And hopefully share some kind of tactical milestones for you along the way where if you and when you are ready for this phase of your business, that you can crush it like the pro that you are
0: and maybe not have as many like fumbling steps as we did. Well, I think with anything, oh, especially since I'm a learn by experience person, I could have mapped this out a million times and until I had done it wrong <laughs> and then worked to work on it to do it better. I don't think I would have learned so Today, we're specifically talking about delegating and how to get things off your plate. And most of the context of what we're talking about today is how to properly delegate to an employee. There's definitely nuances for how I would treat things quite differently if I were delegating to a contractor. Although there's definitely overlap, there's just differences.
1: If you're still
0: perplexed at the
1: difference of those things, we have recorded an episode. I'll grab the number here for you in just a sec, but please listen to this episode first. Yeah. And then you can come back here.
0: Yeah. So one of the first steps to getting things off your plate is getting clear on what it is that you're even doing. And you can feel like you're going a million miles and going a thousand different ways, but you really need to take time To document things that are happening one-off and also things that are happening routinely, things that are happening strategically, so that you can start to understand what is sitting on your plate. Because ultimately, you're trying to find themes and like commonalities between stuff, but I don't want you... Jumping 17 steps ahead and trying to think about the end game. Right. You just need to start documenting what it is that you're doing inside your business without judgment. <laughs> By the way,
1: that episode, y'all, it's the truth about employees versus contractors. It's episode 368. I did not realize it was so long ago. So you might need to Google that one. You can just type in the Strategy Hour podcast employees versus contractors or episode 368 and you should be able to find it or you can head to our website as well and search for that but it's a good one where we break down the the literal difference between each and things to consider before hiring your first employee we talk about payroll a little bit and then a a little bit about the process once you do start the hiring so it's the brief overview but it'll give you a good framework to work with so
0: what's your favorite way to document all the tasks that you are doing I typically
1: rely on a doc. It typically starts real messy. I do an initial brain dump. And if I were, and I do think we're probably owed, you know, a refresher for both of us, we should probably do this ourselves. Typically, I start with a doc and I just do a very messy brain dump. I don't try to organize anything. And I will just leave it open for a couple days because I forget what I do until sometimes when it's time to do that task again. After a couple days or a week, I like to organize it by categories, especially as a CEO, you're going to be sitting in multiple departments and there might be marketing and sales and operations or customer service or whatever. So I try to break it down by departments that we currently have. If you don't have this yet, just break it down by type. If the people don't exist yet, the departments don't exist yet, that's fine. But I do like to kind of see where am I really heavy in a specific department? And is that because I'm really good at that and I like it and I should stay there and eliminate some other things? Or is it not a shining spot for me? And that's where we have a big opportunity of bringing in a, a body to take over those things.
0: Yeah. When I group them, I think about not just department, but also like skill set. And so sometimes there might be things that are in different departments, but it's the same kind of skill. And so I might put those together. Or if I feel like they're part of a flow of tasks where you have to do one thing and then the next thing and then the next thing, if they're related, I try to group those as well. They don't necessarily have to be steps by any means, but you knowing, okay, if you're going to run payroll, well, for me, that's moving cash and paying the credit card off and also paying contractors, checking cash flow. Like There's like 17 other things that also coincide with paying payroll. And you may initially only want to delegate part of it and that's fine, but you may start to understand autonomy over this one aspect could also mean all of these other things. And so you have to get clear on what are those other things and how are they related or in what way are they related? But there's no judgment here. It's just do all the things. I similarly just do a doc, make a list, keep track of it. I would probably do a ton all at once and then check it again in a week or so. But for some of our clients, they definitely prefer to do this as part of a time study where they're... They're paying attention to how long these tasks are taking anyway, and they're doing an active time study for a week, if not two. Yep. If you're like
1: stressed out about what should I take off my plate, sometimes looking at what costs you the most or the least can help you also.
0: Yeah. So this next phase is a really great opportunity for you to evaluate what you're great at and what you're not so great at. Emily already kind of spoke to this a bit with strengths versus weaknesses. I think it's a really important thing to put out, not just weakness, but also like what's less efficient for you. What are you not enjoying as much? What is your skill set? not adding value to this task, because it's not always about weakness, you may be decent at it, but like you doing it makes no difference in the outcome. And you being mindful of that can be really helpful. Well, when we're talking about
1: strength tasks versus weak spots, it's not necessarily things where you're just like, I won't ever do this, or I don't have an opinion about this, or I don't care about this. Like as the founder and CEO, like you're going to care about every single department and that's okay. I really want you to hone into if you could pick the things that light you up creatively and you're also really good at, and you're also really interested in exploring on how to get better at those things. And learn, listen to podcasts, read books, take classes, research, do whatever to strengthen those strength tasks and really develop yourself into that department or that role. Those are going to be your highlights of areas of opportunity. And I think it's really critical for you to eventually kind of shine in one to two departments really, really strongly, like how you and I have kind of broken it up, where I'm shining in marketing, messaging, copy customer experience and you're shining in finance and operations and what we call the art and the architecture where I sit in the art kind of side and Abby's in the architecture of how does all of this flow and work together behind the scenes. And so that will begin to inform if you're sitting in art versus architecture, for example, what other departments down the line might you want to get out of or stay in in the future?
0: Well, and sometimes... It's a little bit different because we also are delegating management too. So like, right. Emily is not only sitting in a certain spot, but she's managing the people below her that like fill the gaps of the, that department, if that makes sense. And you, if you're a single founder, you may end up having to develop multiple managers across various departments. Even if you eventually want to have little to nothing to do with that department, I do want to be mindful that that can be a bigger challenge because Emily and I not only got to hone in on the area we wanted to focus on, but the area we also wanted to manage on. And I think managing more than two or three people can get to be a lot. Yeah. Okay. So, but on the, the strength side, I think one of the things to really consider is what is most important versus least important. Even if you're fantastic at something, it doesn't necessarily mean it's important to the bottom line of the business or important to impact of the business or you achieving your business goals or all of those things. And so, you may have initially it may make the most sense to delegate your weak spots, but as your team grows, you may need to take some things that are on your strengths list and give them away with full autonomy to someone else because of just the simple amount of time that it takes to complete, even even if you're fantastic at it.
1: Well, and if it doesn't have a, the overall effect on your bottom line... These are the conversations that, and we probably should have led with this at the get-go, but I feel like we talk about this every single time we talk about hiring and kind of refining your position as a CEO. We are in the camp of you will still work in your business and oversee at least one department and, and be in the decision court for a lot of executive things, right? We are not in the camp of removing you from everything in your business where you're so far removed from what's actually happening that you then can't make the proper decisions. And so this isn't about removing yourself from everything. This is about what are the things that you do that generate growth, that generate sales, that help move the business forward. It's not always about sales, but it's helping move the business forward. And sometimes we have to let go of other things that we're really freaking good at that sometimes we maybe even really enjoy doing because your job is to grow the business and to make the decisions that keep the business around. And you have to have the space to do that.
0: Well, and I I think good examples of that. Ultimately, Emily and I started the business. She was a photographer. I was a designer. Neither of us do those tasks anymore. Right. And while photography definitely shows up in our business differently than it did seven, eight years ago. Design is still a massive part of everything we're doing. It didn't make sense for me to own that task long term for a whole host of reasons. I'm making things more important than they are because I'm spending times on spending time on things that they may be an SOP or like a behind the scenes thing and no one else is going to see it at all. And it's like, why?
1: But then kind of the, the opposite example of that is with copywriting and me owning that I have delegated a lot of copywriting. Yes. There are things that while they matter, like we're not saying they don't matter. There are copywriting tasks that don't have as much of an impact on the success of our business. For example, a blog post, I help brainstorm the topics of them and the general outline of what I want them to cover and the main call to action that I want them to have. And they are overall guided within the strategy of our SEO plan and tactics and what we want to be drawing attention to. So that I put my brain on. And then we have a copywriter on our team who writes the content for those blogs, but where we might have a website page that is a direct to sale or direct to booking leads and prospects. I'm going to write that and do a lot of research and, and spending a lot more time on making sure that it's effective in using the right trends and strategies and whatever because that has a much bigger result on our bottom line.
0: Yeah. Want to learn exactly step by step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that helped me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. Now, the next phase of this is looking at what can be delegated right now. Now, if you have a current team or just a team member, there might be things you already had in mind before you listen to this podcast about stuff you're wanting to delegate. And if so, stay tuned because we're going to talk about the proper way to delegate so that you can really do this effectively. But if you haven't yet hired, I kind of want to put a caveat here that like, There is an opportunity ahead of hiring that I think so many people skip. And Emily and I always would take this list and we would look at what tasks can we delegate right now. And we started with systems and software. Can this be delegated by utilizing a system consistently? Maybe you need to put Zapier in motion instead of doing something manually. Maybe you just need to automate remember to do it. And that's going to save you a ton of time. So maybe it's better project management. Maybe you need to utilize a software like a CRM to automatically send something as a follow-up to a client. Like there's so many systems and softwares out there that can take things off your plate. And this isn't necessarily about, I think there's this frustrating conversation right now about systems and specifically AI taking jobs. And I want you to be mindful that you're a small business and it's always going to be cheaper to utilize a system or software over a person. And so you may not be able to afford your next hire yet. And so this is a great middle ground to give you the space to make the additional sales to grow your capacity.
1: Well, and choosing systems and software, even AI, to start to get some of your literal time back will enable you to probably work with an additional client or increase your deliverables or experience so that you can raise your prices so that you can afford a person. Because we are very much in the, in the camp of, I wouldn't be after looking for AI to increase sales. Those are human beings and the way that I want to grow our audience and impact our clients is always going to be with the human being connection in some way, shape or form. But what I will do is look at how I can utilize AI to better organize our schedule, or have systems communicate with each other, or help me brainstorm, or get me unstuck, or move this information from from this space and format it in this way over here so it can be better presented or understood. It's those kind of things that I'm like an assistant that I can have them kind of running in the background that I'm still going to be doing the research on or digging on and set up the system, but to have it running for me behind the scenes is what's going to save the time
0: now when you have this list after you've kind of taken the systems and software and prioritize that first because usually those are quicker actions that can make a big difference and sometimes it's a take time to make time and Mm -hmm. that can be a frustrating situation
1: I feel like it's like that 99% of the time and people do not know that and they're so resistant to it because they're like, I'm just after saving the time. That's all I want to do,
0: but you've got to set it up first. You guys, I know this is going to sound so basic, but it's just an example of the truth being the truth. I've been in the sales seat for years, but we've only been doing sales calls for what? Six months, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, and we've done them in the past, but this is the most recent like iteration of focusing and selling in that manner. Anyway, I knew I could use some canned emails and I was just so resistant and I kept telling myself, oh, you want to make so many nuanced changes per the individual person that like you can't possibly write a canned email baloney sandwiches guys like I'm not saying you can't customize it but like already including a link that you're grabbing 10 times a day is gonna save you freaking time right and even just prompting yourself where we we
1: love mad lib tile style canned templates or canned messages because you do have to go in and fill in information but even saving the brain work of how to start an email and then how to transition this part of the conversation and then how to
0: end the conversation. Like, holy moly. (laughs) I know it's goofy, but it's okay that if you haven't made time, it is required. Slow down. You have to do it. Okay. You have to do it. And when you start to look at this list, the systems and software is an essential first layer. Like, and you have to do it first before I feel like I agree. You can move on to hiring. The next thing, it kind of goes one of two ways. Either you're going to start to see a collection of like tasks that could turn into a job description and like an actual role for someone, or you are going to notice this very particular part that you are ready to give to someone that's already on your team. And so we're going to focus and and pretend that you've already hired the person and we're actively delegating to them because ultimately hiring and training is a very different process than taking someone who's actively in your culture and giving them autonomy. But if you need help with the hiring, A, we need to have a conversation. I would love to have you book a call with us. You can just go to bossproject.com slash waitlist and let me know that you're interested in scaling and hiring and we'd love to chat about how we can help. But I want to focus on, okay, they're here. This person exists. And they're already onboarded. Like they're already doing things. They're already doing things. This is not the first time you've talked to them about a task. This is likely after their first 90 days. Okay. Yes. So how do we take something that's on our plate right now and we put it on someone else's plate effectively, proactively, all the things?
1: Well, the thing that I love about this
0: exercise is that it really, really
1: encapsulates the what does done look like to you? And I'm sure you've heard that before, but it is this is the exercise that makes sure you are super, super, duper, duper clear on what done looks like to you and the potential risks that you see. So you can openly communicate that with the person that you're wanting to delegate. To me, proper delegation at the end of the day comes down to communication, period, hard stop overly communicate overly explain get super detailed about what you're expecting to be taken off your plate how when where all of it a typically what in i think you've said this before and it was really great where a lot of people typically focus on just the what of delegating this is the task Okay, bye. And I literally need you to be thinking about the where, the when, the what, the how, like all of that. Go back to like English school and really break down all of those things. So this exercise is going to have you walk through, okay, of the tasks that you thought that you could delegate, what is the one that you're going to run with? What is the objective of that actual task? It's
0: you're, you're doing this thing, but for what, right? Yeah. What's the goal? What are you trying to make happen as a result? Yep. And then I want you to break down the skills
1: that are needed in order to do that goal. What do people need to know? Is it specific softwares, systems, tools, strategies, techniques, frameworks? What is it? What level of authority do they need? Are they in an assistant role, but you're asking them to do an executive task? Do we need to break it down a little bit smaller to help bridge that gap appropriately?
0: Or you might say, I'll give you this piece, but I will take the confidential information out of it you're not delegating the whole piece.
1: Or some of the things that I have, some of my marketing team members help me out with is they know their part, but it's playing a part in a much bigger puzzle that they're not responsible for sales or leads or generating the traffic, right? Their, their piece is over here and it's very important, but the weight of the entire success of that thing isn't just on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. So then I want you to think about, is there someone on your team right now who you think that this would be perfect to delegate for? Or based on how you've explained it, are they really at capacity or they don't really have the right skill set for it? You might need to be thinking about this is your next open position when you are ready. But if you do have someone in mind, I want you to really break down why do you actually want to delegate it to this person? What about how they're showing up already makes them a good fit? What about the task isn't aligned with the skills that they already have? Why do you feel like that they can grow into this role? If that's what you see happening, really get vulnerable and honest with yourself and then break it down a little bit further about the trust of this person. Do you think that this person is going to be committed to bridging the gap from where they are right now to fully taking on this task? Do you think they're going to have autonomy over it? Or are they going to need a little bit of handholding? Neither are wrong. You just need to approach it with honesty and communication. And then from there, we break down an actual transition plan. Typically, it's not like you can just present this info in a meeting and say, great, you can take it over 100% starting today. What's the game plan? Is it a a week, multiple weeks, different phases? How long are you anticipating this to take in order for them to be
0: fully confident in taking it over? Well, and I like to take that specifically the transition plan and break it down into like what it'll look like for each of those phases. So it might be, I plan to teach you live and then I'm going to have you try it on your own once and document your process and review it thoroughly. And then the next time I'm going, if that goes well, then I'll have you do it completely on your own without me reviewing your steps.
1: And I like to typically say for that one, cause I do the same thing. And I also say like, by this date, or this launch that we're going to have on this date, or whatever, I'm going to expect you to fully own XYZ part of this. So whatever you need to do between now and that date to get comfortable, we need to work out together.
0: Yeah, the next piece is so important. It is, like Emily said, people tend to focus on the what the actual task, they tend to focus on what needs to get done. And I want you to be breaking down everything involved in this conversation. So you're, you're going over the, the how essentially by the transition. But then you might also say how in terms of like, what tools or access do they need? Where can they find the links and logins for those things? What are they going to be focused on? What's your expectation for when something's going to be done? Since there's a transition plan, Do they need to be sending you things at more periodic checkpoints that are not just the end deadline and have you outlined those dates thoroughly? how do you want them going about it? Should they be recording themselves doing the process? Should they be doing it first thing in the morning? Like, does the time of day matter? Um, Does their headspace matter? Do they need to do other tasks before or after the thing to effectively do this thing? Well, and then if you do all of that, fantastic. If you miss this next piece, you will mess it up. And I say this from experience because I have done a thorough job of explaining all of the steps and by missing the why, the other person is not taking the authority or importance to the level of seriousness that I need from them. And so the why is really talking about the why them why did you choose them to take over it? Why are you giving them the authority? Why are you taking it off of your plate? How is it going to impact the business? And why is that important to you? You talking about it is going to be essential because I've seen a lot of people early on in their management process be like, I just can't do this anymore and I need to take it off my plate. And that's a really rude but <laughs> but B like gives them no motivation or excitement around taking over the task. And so me saying something like, I'm so excited to hand this task over to you because I know it's going to help you grow this skill, this skill, and this skill to help move you along in your position here. I really see this as a stepping stone for you having a future title or like you growing in this way or whatever. And like, When you illustrate those things to people, people get so much more psyched up about doing the thing. You're not lying about it. Like this has to be real, but it can make a massive impact.
1: Well, the thing I like to cover in this section as well is the impacts that that specific task has on your bottom line, because while it might not be the most important to that thing, it might not have a direct correlation. You wouldn't be still doing it in your business if it wasn't required if it didn't somehow have an impact on client satisfaction or speed of productivity and communication within the rest of your team or whatever it might be. And so I like to draw the the kind of end result impact that this task has. And when this task is done properly, here's what happens. And it either impacts other people on the team Or it impacts sales, or it impacts your clients or customer experience, or it touches all three of those things. And so I think when we draw those conclusions that it's not just about this person and this task, it does have a ripple effect across the entire business so that they can begin to see the importance of the task and why not only is delegating it important to you, but it's important that they delegate, that they take it on well.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think taking it a step further, by illustrating. It's not the opposite. I don't want you to go in saying, here's why you should do it. And here's the risks. And, and just like saying, well, if you don't do it, then blah, 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 all this shit goes down. It can't be the polar opposite because then, then, then you're not effectively talking about risks. You need to talk about risks in terms of challenges to that particular person? Like, is it going to challenge their skill set? Is it going to require them to learn a new skill or get some level of training in advance of fully taking it over? What are things that like, you know, about their personality that you think could be roadblocks to them taking this over fully or effectively? What are the risks to the business in that like 1000 foot view that they might not know or understand if this is not done well?
1: Yep. And so basically all the conversations that we kind of just bulleted out, you will do on like a Google doc and keep track of all of that information and present it to the person that you're wanting to delegate to in your meeting, where you're going over the plan and the task and the requirements and your expectations and whatever. And ultimately you need to decide what is the, the check-in for this. Yeah. That's part of the transition plan. Right. That is part of the transition plan of how are you going to monitor how it's actually being handled and answering questions that come up and doing the training that's needed. Some you won't need that much. Like some are really small and they've maybe already even been doing some aspect of it from here, like already. And you just have to kind of button up the final thing. But get on the same page, put dates on, put communications down, mark stuff on the calendar if you need to, monitor the progress. And then I think like the last kind of unspoken thing that someone who's delegating has to just mentally prepare themselves for and go through is releasing the micromanaging tendencies that could come up once you do truly delegate.
0: Well, yes. And it does start with feedback. I think so many people assume if I do this they're off to the races and I don't need to check in on it. And it's like, no, you've outlined what done looks like. You have to critique every step of the process initially. And as part of your transition plan can get more clear on initially, I need to see this part, this part, this part, this part from you. But the next time you do it, I only need to see this part and this part. And you may not know what you need to see again until you see it the first time, but you need to be clear on that them knowing feedback is part of the process for them gaining authority is not only going to help them do better at it, but they're going to have a better idea of what, what to look for. The thing I want you thinking about is if you've ever felt like this level of deep frustration with your team of I could be doing it better or why did I even bother delegating this thing because XYZ thing is happening And almost always it comes back to you didn't delegate this properly from the get go and it comes back on you and I want you to be able to take some ownership on it. And so not everything needs this crazy level of detail. I get that some tasks are ultimately just smaller and they just need to do the task, but likely they're part of a bigger puzzle. And if you can back it out to the right layer Then you may need to have a conversation about the next three layers up. And that one task that you wanted to delegate is just part of it. And I think that's helpful for when you're grouping the light tasks or putting things in departments, you may notice themes. Okay, I'm not just going to delegate this task, I'm going to delegate this way of thinking or this kind of activity inside the business. And anytime it repeats, they own all of it, not just the one task. And so this is really the stepping stone for you to get the right people on your team who are truly supporting you. Otherwise, they're just task monkeys that are checking boxes off. They're not thinking about how everything works together to achieve the big picture. Because they need to know that and understand it for you to be able to grow the business. Yep. Because ultimately, you can't be the only one owning that vision. Well,
1: I'm excited for all the delegation that's coming up in your future. And if this felt overwhelming, or if you're like, ooh, this is something I'm going to be needing here shortly because I am planning on hiring this year in the next 12 months, we need to have a chat. If you are a service based business owner who maybe you've worked with a handful of contractors already and you're looking to hire your first or next employee, maybe you've got a full time employee and you're like thinking we're going to be expanding to two to three this year, then we need to chat. You can book a time on Abigail's calendar by heading to bossproject.com slash on demand, no spaces, no hyphens. on demand. It's seriously a no pressure conversation. Like there's literally, like is questions to see where your business is at. And if you are planning on hiring in the next six to 12 months, if you're not, then we'll chat about other opportunities where it makes sense for us to work together and make some magic happen. But for right now, go to bossproject.com